This is Messages from the Middle. I'm Wendy Parrish. You're listening to episode number 29, Dancing with Myself, my deep dive into rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria. Let's get going. Have you noticed that people don't usually share their struggles until they're over? It's not until they've defeated their dragon and marched victoriously home that they share their story. Well, I'm not one of those people. My name is Wendy Parrish, and I am in the middle of my story. From the middle, I've learned a few things, and I would like to bring you into my story. This is the good, the struggle, the light, the dark, and the lessons learned. This is Messages from the Middle. Hi, and welcome to Messages from the Middle. This is episode number 29. We are almost 30 episodes. It's pretty exciting for me. I have absolutely loved making this podcast. I've learned so much uh, about myself. I've learned so much about other people who have shared their stories with me. And it's just been really wonderful to have people open their hearts to my story. So once again, I want to hear your story. If you have a story, if you're in the middle of your story, which I think a lot of us are, and you would be willing to share it, I would love to have you on the podcast. So you can email me at wendy at messagesfromthemiddle.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at child songbird. And yeah, let's, let's have a conversation. So this week's episode is on something that's relatively new to me, something that I hadn't heard about, didn't know anything about. But as I started to learn more and more about it, the more I went, oh, wow, this explains so much. So one of the fun things that comes along with ADHD is something called rejection sensitivity dysphoria. Now, because that's getting to be a mouthful for me to say, I will probably be referring to it as RAS from here on out. So that's what I mean when I say it. The interesting thing about RAS is, from things I have read, 100% of people with ADHD have this. The more interesting thing is the way that it shows up and manifests with people. For example, particularly women with inattentive type of ADHD, they tend to really take this rejection very hard and it leads to people pleasing and depression and anxiety and a lot of those issues. For people that have more of the hyperactive ADHD, they fear their fear of rejection will actually drive them to work extra hard and to overachieve and to not give anybody a chance to ever reject them because they're so amazing, which if you look at it can be a superpower as long as your motivations go beyond just avoiding rejection so you don't just end up in burnout and resentment. An interesting thing about rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, is that it's hard to get people to understand that it is different. I hear all the time, 
No one likes to be rejected. And that is absolutely true. No one likes to be rejected. Anthropologically speaking, we are wired to not want to be rejected. If we got rejected from the tribe, then we ran the risk of starving and freezing and just not, we needed to be part of community back in the day. The biggest difference that I gathered from what I read and studied about RAS is that for people with ADHD who have RAS, they don't just feel rejection in the way that most people do as a discomfort, as something we just don't like. We want to, we'd like, pretty much everyone would like to avoid rejection. The word that came up over and over again with RAS is painful. That rejection is especially painful. This is a really great definition that I found on the Attitude website, which by the way, if you have ADHD or suspect you do, I highly recommend the Attitude website. And he says, rejection sensitivity dysphoria is extreme emotional sensitivity and pain triggered by the perception that a person has been rejected or criticized by important people in their life. It may also be triggered by a sense of falling short failing to meet their own high standards or others' expectation. It's also interesting to note that the word dysphoria is Greek for the word for difficult to bear. I think it's very interesting that it talks about sensitivity and pain related to perceived rejection and to from important people in their life, but also failing to meet their own high standards and others' expectations. And I can tell you, speaking for me, it was failing to meet my own high standards that led to some really dark times. I put pretty high expectations on myself as a young kid. I fully expected to be an incredibly famous human being who would be known for her amazing singing and dancing skills all over the world. And so when I was in fifth grade and only two kids per grade were allowed to be in the school talent show, and I had been in the school talent show for the preceding two years, and it was like, this is what I do. I'm a famous singer. I sing. I am in the school talent show. And I didn't make it. And... I wasn't just disappointed and upset. I couldn't stop crying. I went home. I did not stop crying. I was literally a mess. I wonder if my parents remember this because I remember it so vividly. I remember the pajamas I was wearing. I remember all of it. And I just kept thinking, if I can't even accomplish this little goal, how am I ever going to make anything of myself? And interesting things happen. Somebody, a different type of person, would maybe take that and be like, I'll show you. I'm going to be the best and the most amazing and no one will ever be able to reject me again. And then another type of personality goes, that rejection hurt. I don't ever want to feel that again, so I'm never going to do that again. I'm never putting myself in that position again. I have to say, I kind of surprised myself because that didn't, end anything for me. I I kept going. I kept trying. 
I do admit to avoiding auditions for certain things that I thought maybe it just wouldn't amount to anything and I didn't want to handle the rejection. That is true. But in that situation, at least as far as singing goes, I I kept going. I sang for a lot longer. So the reason why people with ADHD have this RSD is because the ADHD brain is extra sensitive. That's part of why the symptoms of ADHD exist. That oversensitivity to sounds, feelings, different things creates that easily distractibility or hearing things, noticing things, feeling things, feeling other people's feelings, like being such an empath that you can walk into a room and be like, oh no, I feel all this. I don't know if I can be here right now. So when it comes to things like rejection, people with ADHD feel it more painfully than people without rejection sensitivity dysphoria. It is actually, like I said, over and over again, Reddit described as painful. These feelings of rejection have been described as unbearable, restricting, and impairing. In fact, if someone has ADHD and it hasn't been diagnosed, but they are, you know, they're dealing with this RAS and the, the RAS is internalized, then it can imitate a full major mood disorder and that can cause things like suicidal ideation. These sudden changes from a feeling from feeling perfectly fine to feeling intensely sad that result from RSD, it's often misdiagnosed as rapid cycling, a rapid cycling mood disorder like bipolar or borderline. And sometimes it takes a long time for these symptoms to be recognized because RSD while it's been around for a long time and 40 years ago it was written about all the time, it kind of just dropped off. And it's actually not even in the DSM, which is the big book of mental health issues. (laughs) And so it's not in there. And so it doesn't really get like an official diagnosis. And I can tell you from experience, these emotion changes are sudden. They're very sudden. I can be going about my day and having a really great day and things are going fine and everything's great. And then there's a rejection, whether real or perceived. And a lot of times it's perceived and it feels literally like a punch in the chest. That's the best way to describe it. Like it feels like the air's been knocked out of me. It feels like I've been punched in the chest and it's like, and then all the energy is sucked out of me. And I go from having a pretty great day and being pretty happy and going about my life to just almost non-functional sometimes if, if it's that bad, if it's that bad. A perceived rejection will cause a lot of pain. An actual rejection will cause the non-functional pain. The difference here and how you can start to pay attention to what your um, actual diagnosis is, is that the when it's a mood disorder, an actual mood disorder, the um, 
the cycles last longer. So while I will be kind of out of commission for a while, it's not really even a full day unless it's a really big rejection that's taken its toll. Like, I don't know. I want to say a breakup, but you guys, I have, this is almost embarrassing, but not, I don't know, not embarrassing. It's kind of a cool thing. Did you know that I don't have like any ex-boyfriends because I married my first boyfriend? And while I did date other people, there's not anyone I ever dated that I would call a boyfriend. So I don't have any ex-boyfriends. I've never gone through like that kind of long-term breakup. So that's a good thing for me, right? So I talked about what RAS looks like when it's internalized, but it can also be externalized. And I want to say that this is more likely to happen with somebody with a hyperactive type of ADHD, but really internalizing and externalizing can happen to anyone. So when it's externalized, it is like an instant rage at the person or situation responsible for causing pain. It's that anger. Um, I actually read somewhere just recently that about 30% of people that are ordered into anger management for um, like road rage and things like that are people with ADHD because they are feeling things so much more and like being cut off in traffic is a rejection. And RSD can even make people anticipate rejection even when nothing is certain. So this will make somebody very vigilant about avoiding things. For example, social situations, which is why many times it's diagnosed as social anxiety. The difference between social anxiety and RSD is with social anxiety, you have this intense fear that you will embarrass yourself or humiliate yourself in public or that you're going to be scrutinized harshly by the world. With RSD, it's not a fear of other people's judgment or your own embarrassment. It's more of an intense pain or an overwhelming, overwhelming fear that you will lose people's approval, love, or respect. So of course, people with ADHD and RSD will come up with different coping mechanisms. So they become people pleasers. They'll notice and scan every person that they meet and see what that person admires and praises. And then they will present a false version of themselves to others. And this becomes their dominating goal to please other people and to make sure that they don't reject them. So they just keep, they become very busy making sure that other people are not displeased with them. And another one is they just stop trying. If there's the slightest possibility that a person might try something new and fail or fall short, especially in front of people, then it becomes too painful and too risky to even make an effort. So a bright, capable, smart, good person will avoid activities that cause anxiety and end up giving up things like like dating, like applying for jobs or speaking up in public. And again, from experience, I can tell you for a very long time, if I didn't think I'd be good at something, 
then I just didn't do it. When I was doing my Pilates certification, I needed to test out like early, you know, earlier on and I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't do it. And my mentor kept saying like, you just do it. And she even said, do the test, you'll fail, but then I'll be able to give you the feedback you need to pass the next time. And it's so true. (laughs) Just doing it and then having her tell me what she needed me to do next helped me so much more than me just like continuing to work alone by myself, hoping nobody was watching or paying attention until I had it perfect. I wasn't going to get it perfect without input and help from other people. But that fear of failure and rejection was so deep seated in me that it scared me. And I took a long time to finally just just do the thing. And then, like I said before, some people will use the pain of RSD to find adaptations and overachieve. So they'll constantly work to be the very best at what they do. And they'll strive for their version of an, of an idealized perfection. Sometimes they're driven to be, they want to be above anyone's judgment or any chance that they could fail. They lead admirable lives, but they run the risk of burnout. So are you wondering, do I have RSD? So here is a list of some characteristics of RSD. And if you recognize yourself in a few of the following, like I said, we all have something. Nobody likes to be rejected. So one of these, two of these, you're probably in the clear. More of these, then, you know, maybe you need to think about it. So first, again, they're highly sensitive about the possibility of rejection. You'll have overly high standards for yourself. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, that's okay for you, but I need to fill in the blank. I'm expecting an A plus for me. Everyone else can have whatever. Um, I can tell you, I do this with so many things. I can say everyone else in the world is so beautiful and amazing and lovely, but I am never good enough. You'll feel easily triggered towards guilt and shame. So you're judging everything about yourself. So then you become, you go into that guilt and shame cycle. Isolating yourself in a preemptive strike to not be rejected or aggressive or rageful behavior toward those who have been perceived to have slighted you. Frequently feeling uncomfortable physical reaction due to not fitting in or being misunderstood. Self-esteem that is entirely dependent on what others think and rise and falls accordingly. Frequent and intense ruminating after an interaction about how you did or said something wrong. That one is a big one for me, rumination. When I have done something, when I've been around people, when something has happened, I tend to then replay it and replay it and replay it and want to fix it and say, and then I'll be like, should I call them? Should I fix it? Should I text them? What should I do? And it just goes over and over again in that rumination cycle. Okay, so we've talked about RSD and what it is and why it's different than just 
the neurotypicals response to rejection because as stated no one likes it it never feels good but with someone with rsd and adhd it's they feel it more intensely and more painfully and they read into rejection even when it's not there they'll see a facial expression or read a tone out of a text message that they perceive as rejection And I've stated the ways that this can cause problems. Obviously, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, isolation, lots of different issues can happen because we don't want to feel that pain of rejection. So what can we do? So I'll start by saying sometimes just recognizing something gives you the foot forward, the foot up that you need to start to heal. So just noticing. The more I read about RSD, the more that I realized so many of the things that I felt like were, I'm going to say, quote unquote, traumas were, and maybe they were, but they were a negative, you know, this really deep, painful response to perceived rejection things when things didn't go great for me. So instead of pushing through and trying harder, I would just, you know, burn the whole thing down. Just noticing that I'm doing these things out of a reaction from this rejection sensitivity dysphoria is very helpful. Then also, because the RSD brain is very susceptible to perceived rejection, it's also very perceptible to praise. So maybe ask for it. You might need to go to your boss, your partner, your friends, I don't know, teachers. I, I, I don't know. I haven't dealt with this with teachers, but you might say, you know what? I'm going to need a few gold stars here. I can tell you I absolutely have so much love and respect in my heart for my teacher in college. Uh, Being a vocal performance major, you have one, well, I did. I had one voice teacher for all four years through college. Loved her with all my heart. She was amazing. She taught me so much. She is a phenomenal human being. It was approaching the end of my fourth year. I was preparing for my recital. And I've talked about this before. It was about this point that I had started experiencing some of my first negative mental health symptoms and we were really struggling to get me through it because my body physically was having a hard time holding me up and when you're a singer your body is your instrument so we were working through a lot of stuff and I just kind of kept struggling and I remember one time during a lesson she stopped playing the piano and she looked up at me and she goes you know I'm starting to think that maybe we're struggling so much here because I've never told you that I think you can do this, that I believe in you and I believe you're capable of all of this. And I remember just crying there and then in her office, just, she was right. She'd never, and it wasn't, it wasn't that that was even her job. Her job is to help you and to teach you and If she were, you know, following me around and being good job, good job, everything's great. You've got this. You know, I, I, I pushed myself. I worked hard. Her job was to help me become a better singer. But that moment of her telling me that she believed in me and believed I could do it 
it, it's still, I mean, it's been 20, I don't know, I want to say maybe 24, 25 years. It's still everything to me. So you may need to be conscious about asking people for some praise or pay attention to the praise. It takes five positives to overcome one negative. I don't know why our brain is wired to find the negative, but it is. So start being more aware of those positive things. Start noticing them when you see them. Start noticing, you know, when that person said that, they were telling me I was doing a good job. When that person smiled at me, they were letting me know that they approve. Maybe start paying more attention to those gold stars. Start praising others. Start accepting and loving others. In the sense that because you are so afraid of rejection and failure, you will pull yourself away from people and withhold your own praise because you feel like maybe other people's praise is disingenuous. And so you want to make sure that if you're giving praise, it's genuine, but it always can be. There's always something kind and praise, some praise that you can give other people. And when you give other people this praise and letting them in and giving them love, you get that dopamine that fills that pain. It helps to ease that pain. And it's that cycle. Give some, get some. Give some, get some. And yes, it's possible for us to love somebody that doesn't love us back. But that doesn't mean that that's everybody. And the more you give praise and love and encouragement to other people, the more you'll start seeing it in your life and the more that will come to you. And then in to finish, there is medication that helps with RAS. From the research that I studied, um, it sounds like this medication only helps about one in three people. But if you happen to be the one in three people, it's very effective. So there's two medications that came up. And if this is something you suspect, you can talk to your doctor about it. Um, Option also is to get this genetic test. I can tell you from my genetic test, I was prescribed clonidine, which is one of the medications on this list. I was prescribed clonidine. And uh, it's just PRN, take as needed. And it works. The other medication is guanfacine. I hope I said that right. Both of these medications actually originally created for blood pressure medication, but they do have an anti-anxiety component that's not like something like a Xanax that will just knock you out. It's just calming. So those two medications are also on the table. Again, with medication, it is there to help you as a tool so you can then move forward and do the work to heal. So you still need to go to therapy, which was the last one I wanted to talk about. Going to therapy for this, talking through these rejections, paying attention to some of your cognitive distortions that have happened as a result of RAS. Things like mind reading. I know what they think. I know how they feel about me. Things like future telling. I'm just going to fail. I always fail. Everything's going to happen. Those are some cognitive distortions that you can work through in therapy that will help you with RAS.
So while learning that RAS is real, because I remember the first time I read about it, I thought this cannot be real. This can't be real. While learning that it's real was a little, mm, I'll say, I will say painful. I didn't want to be told that I was extra sensitive to rejection because I already feel like I'm extra sensitive to everything. But knowing that it exists and understanding and paying attention to how it has affected me and my choices and my mental health, it just gives you one more tool to move forward. I really do believe that knowledge is power. I have talked to a lot of people that don't want a diagnosis for themselves or for their children because they think once you put a label on it, it becomes an excuse. And while I have seen that happen, I highly disagree. Knowledge is power. Once you are able to know what it is and know what you can do and know there's something you can do, or just know this is my brain. This is what my brain's going to do. My brain has a different structure and it really, really wants to be hypersensitive and hurt by this. And so I'm going to allow that hurt and I'm going to process it. And then I'm going to move on and do the next thing because the only way out is through talked about that before. You have to process the pain and go through it and feel it. You can't just ignore it. And when we're hypersensitive to this perceived rejection or actual rejection, you want to push it away and not feel it and resist it and avoid it. And all of those things that just create more pain and suffering in the future. So understanding and learning about RAS is really helpful. And if you are in therapy, this would be something worth discussing with your therapist. And some therapists may not even, they might say it doesn't exist, but it does, you guys. It does. Google it. I promise it's there. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next week. And I need you to know that you are loved and that you matter no matter who you are or where you are in your story. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle of my story. My theme music is White Linen by Asher Child. He's my kid. You can find all of his amazing music on all streaming platforms. And you know, it just wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. But seriously, it would really mean so much to me if you did. Thank you so much and see you next time. Walk